Well, today as we're celebrating Palm Sunday, this would be the day that what we many call the Passion Week, right? This is where Jesus, whew, there is an incredible anointing here. Um, it's when Jesus entered Jerusalem and, you know, and all that transpired there. Um, you know, pull up Zechariah 9.9. Zechariah 9.9. It's a wonderful prophecy. You know, it's amazing. The word of God, the life of Jesus, there is more written about Jesus. I remember when I was in secular college, I was in a speech class. And the last speech was a 15-minute speech. It was literally, I think it was like half of your grade you had to tell the teacher what, what your persuasive speech would be. And I went to her and I said, my persuasive speech is going to be, Jesus is God. And she looked at me and she goes, you know, Tony, you've got an A in this class. But she goes, she goes, and I'm a Christian, so I know he is. But she goes, it's a persuasive speech. You have to prove your point. So, and if you don't, I will have to flunk you. So, I told her, I said, no problem. And I started doing research, secular research. Do you know there's more research on Jesus living than there is George Washington? So, have you ever heard the, the little message? This was my persuasive speech. He either was who he said he was, God, or he was a liar, he was just lying about it, or he was a lunatic, he really thought he was God, but he wasn't. So simple. And you know, we had, we had, there's so much documented. Well, this is one example in the Bible. Zechariah prophesied this literally 400 years before Palm Sunday happened. But in Zechariah 9.9, now this was prophesied 400 years before Jesus actually entered Jerusalem, what we're talking about today. We believe, and there's a lot, you know, they say he was crucified anywhere from A.D. 29 to A.D. 33. But if you do research, and this again would be my opinion because I wasn't there, but all the research really leads to believe that he was crucified in A.D. 30, about this time. So if you look at that, that's about 1900 and 89 years ago. So before that, though, 400 years before that, Zechariah prophesies and says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes to thee. See, this is, when I read these scriptures, salvation it explodes in my heart because it's not a religion. Religion is man trying to be good enough to be accepted by God, but we couldn't be. Because, see, we were dead. So Jesus came to give us life. So it goes on to say, I mean, rejoice. I love these words. Behold, your king comes unto thee. He is just. That means, that Hebrew word means he is righteous. Isn't that awesome? Because we know that he was made, he was made to bear our sin so that we would be made, we would come to be 
the very righteousness of Almighty God in Him. Amen. He is just or He is righteous and having salvation. And I love this. He's lowly. That means He's humble. That word also means He's meek. But I love this part of this Hebrew word. It literally means unlimited power under perfect control. We saw as he went to the cross, Pilate would say, why are you not answering me? Don't you know I have the power to take your life or release you? And here's Jesus who's been beaten. He's standing there and he says, no, 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 no. No man takes my life. I'll lay it down and I'll pick it up. He's saying, Pilate, you are, you are not an issue in this whole deal. Power under perfect control. You know that same power lives in you. Isn't that amazing? It says, and riding upon a donkey and upon a colt, the foal of a donkey. Wow. So this is he came for this reason. Isn't that good news? Well, you know, I've got a great message on Palm Sunday. But I want you to turn to John chapter 10, verse 10. Hallelujah. Believe with me today for utterance. Possess, possess, saith the Spirit of the living God. Take possession of what I've given you. For I have given you my life. And that life breeds life in every arena of your life. Yea, as the children of Israel, that first generation, did not enter into their promised land. It took the second generation. They entered in. So it is with you. Not only shall you be my child, be saved, but it is my will that you come to the knowledge, the full discernment of the truth. Of all that salvation entails. But yea, the promised land for you, my church, is one of blessing. It is a life of victory. It is a life of freedom. But you must choose. You must choose. You must choose, saith the Spirit of God. You must choose to make a choice to walk free from the wilderness of doubt. You can't enter into your promised land. You can't enter in unless you choose, choose to leave the wilderness of doubt. What saith the Spirit of God, you might say? I would say today, Believe, choose to believe my word, for my word is forever settled in heaven. My word always works, for I watch over it to perform it in the lives of my children, in the lives of the powerful church that is in the earth right now. So possess, possess, saith the Spirit of God, for time is short. Time is short. Time 
is so very short. Lift up your head and rejoice. For the King of glory is about to come. Hallelujah. Well, all that is, guys, that's just, it's, it's one of the nine gifts and manifestations of the Holy Ghost. It's, and, and it's called prophecy. And what it is, it's just inspired utterance. So you don't just take it when you hear these things. It's got to bear witness with your heart, and it, it'll all be the Word of God. And it's, it's always prophecy. In order for it to be from God, the test is, is it, is it the Word? Does it build you up and does it encourage you? So if that bears witness with your heart, take it this morning. Hallelujah, possess. We have to choose to possess our inheritance. It's not just for you. It's for all of the fruit that you need to bear on this earth. They need to see the goodness of the Lord. David said, I would have fainted unless I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. John chapter 10, verse 10. I believe God is going to do mighty things. Hallelujah. This is this Easter season. What I love is, you know, today the Spirit of God is moving to encourage you to believe Him, to get in faith and stay in faith. And see the answers manifesting in your life. This, the Wednesday night service, I know God's going to do something that's going to build that way. Friday night drama is going to be another piece to this puzzle. And Sunday as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, which <laughs> we kind of celebrate that every time we get together. How can you open the word and not? But we just believe that God, you know, it's the passion of our church. The vision, the purpose of our church is to reach people and change lives. How many people do we want to reach? As many as we possibly can. I don't know about you. I, I would not want my worst enemy to go to hell. You know? Because Jesus already paid for all their sin. So John chapter 10, verse 10. Hallelujah. You know this scripture. Well, I should say it correctly. You know something about this scripture. Probably a million years from now, we'll be like, wow, yeah, there's a lot in there. It says here, Jesus speaking, he says, the thief, he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But then now he's saying why he came. Why did Jesus come to this earth? But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And he's not talking about, he's not talking about, uh, like there's a, there's a Greek word, suke, which means kind of like a, a natural life. There's another word, bios. It's another Greek word for life. It means like uh, just a, a manner of life. There's another Greek word that means anastrophe, which means a confused life. But this one, zoe, is a quality of life. Jesus came to take yours and my spiritual death and make us alive with eternal life. That's what we call being born from above, being born again. We're born again by the incorruptible word of God, the seed of the word of God. Isn't that good news? So now 
we know very clearly if it steals, if it kills, if it destroys, it is not from God. If it gives quality, the God quality of overflowing life, then it's from God. It's the, it's the dividing line of the Bible. So he came to give you the very life that God has. Isn't that good news? So now jump over to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Hallelujah. We're so thankful for God's presence in every one of our services. Thank you, Lord. I love the way the Spirit of God said that. That our, see, our promised land is not the land of Canaan. It was a natural land. Our promised land is, this, is these spiritual blessings that, that Jesus has provided for us. But you got to leave the wilderness of doubt. You have to believe the word. That means when the doctor, when the report the doctor's given you, when everybody is saying you have to die, you're, you're lifting up your hands going, no, it is written. And I believe God. Right? He, Jesus himself, bore my sickness. He carried my pain. So now pain and sickness, you got to leave my body and I'm never moving from this place until you do. Right? Same with poverty and lack. Same with depression. All these things. I'm going to believe God's word. I'm not going to be moved by what I see or feel. That's what we're talking about. So look at Jesus coming to this earth. Matthew 20, 28. It says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, Jesus didn't come to the earth so people could minister to him. He came to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That word ransom, literally, the Greek word means an atonement. It literally means to release from slavery or captivity because a payment has been made. Jesus redeemed you from the curse of the law. And what happened now is now in salvation you were transferred out of the delegated influence of darkness and you were transferred in to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has come to this earth. Right? When Jesus came, the kingdom of God is now here. Everywhere Jesus went, the kingdom was here. He had authority and he sent the 12 out and he sent the 70 out with the kingdom of God to do certain things. He had some authority there. But when he came out of the grave, see, that's when the church age was birthed. Now we have all authority. Now the kingdom of God is, it's still same as when Jesus was here. It's wherever Jesus is, the kingdom of God is here. And that's why we have to go because we're the body of Christ. Wherever we go, the kingdom is here. And you know, there's no sickness in the kingdom. There's no disease in the kingdom. There's no weakness. There's no bondage in the kingdom. So we have to learn our rights and privileges in the kingdom. There's no lack in the kingdom of God. So you don't allow lack in your life. Yeah, but you don't understand. I've got myself in a financial situation. Yeah, that's all natural. That's all right. Get into what God says about you. You're his child. Your job's no longer your source. Now he's your source. He could give you one idea that changes everything. 
He gave his life a ransom for many. So now go jump over to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, we're going to look at the, towards the end of the chapter here. Let me find out where it's at. Luke chapter 9, hallelujah. Why Jesus came. Luke chapter 9 in verse 56. Another thing about Jesus coming to this earth. He says, for the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives. Right there should be enough for us to know that anything bad that happens to people, any sickness, any event, he didn't come to destroy men's lives. It says here, but to save them. And they went to another village. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives. He came to save men's lives. If you know him today, he saved your life. If you don't know him today, he saved your life if you'll believe that and receive it. It could be, it could be yours today. Isn't that good news? Right? So let's jump over to the Gospel of John. Go to John chapter 1. And I just want to kind of give you a picture here of Jesus. Go to John 1.1. It says, In the beginning was the Word. Now we learn from the book of Revelation that Jesus' eternal name is the Word of God. It says, In the beginning was the Word. It, that's the Greek word logos. It literally means the divine expression. And the word was with God. With God means, it's a Greek word pros, it literally means, and the word was face to face with God. And the word was God. So in other words, you can't separate God from his word. So this is why we must be in his word. How you get to know him is through the word of God. The Word of God is God speaking and revealing Himself to you. The same was in the beginning with God, and now it talks about what Jesus did. See, God the Father came up with the whole plan, but Jesus, He always carries out the plan. It says, verse 3, All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So he, He's the Creator of all things. When he was born, he, he, was not, he, he was not born, he was not born out of humanity like we were. He was born into humanity, right? So now it says, in him was life. So in Jesus was the Zoe life of God. And it says here, and the life was the light of men. See, you got to receive eternal life and walk in the light of it in order for it to change your life. But Zoe will always produce a change in a person's life if they will receive it and choose to walk in it. Right? So we see, it's, I guess, if anything, what's coming up in my heart, it's you got to choose life. All these things that God has given you are real, but you have to choose them. 
You have to choose to believe and then choose to walk in them. And it's your choice. All day, every day, you're making choices. Right now, you're sitting here and you're making choices. Whether you believe this, whether you don't, whether you're going to receive it, whether you don't. Isn't it sad that people will hear the gospel and hear it and hear it? And God has a plan for their life and he died for their sins and yet they'll be lost for eternity. Only because they wanted to live their own life. But the reality of it is, there's nobody that lives their own life. If, you're not, if, you, if you haven't given your life to Christ, you are identified with Satan. See, we, God has provided Zoe life, but we must possess it. God has provided healing, but you got to possess it. Does that make sense? Keep that in mind as we keep reading. In him was life, and this life, the Zoe life of God, was the light of men. It literally means the development, the spiritual development of men. The Zoe life of God on the inside of you will help you grow spiritually. Isn't that awesome? So now go to verse 29. Verse 29 So here, here we have Jesus. Now, verse 29, all of a sudden, John the Baptist is baptizing people in the Jordan River. And it says, the next day, John sees Jesus coming unto him and says, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh. It literally means to bear away the sin of of the world. Wow. So you got to realize, here's the thing. Either this event didn't happen and all that we're doing is not worth anything. Or it did happen. And if it did happen, now everything changes. This is the greatest event now, the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the history of mankind. And everyone's life now comes to this one decision of what I'm going to do with that. Right? So if you study some things out here, Jesus was probably conceived during the feast day of Hanukkah. All right? Hanukkah. It's called the Festival of Lights. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. There's a lot of research on this. So they believe that Jesus was birthed, he, he, was, he was birthed about 2 B.C. This is where we get right in the area of 30 B.C. when he was crucified, or 30 A.D. when he was crucified. It's real interesting, the 20, see, the suggested birth date of Jesus was in the 25th year of the Roman rule of Caesar Augustus. You know what Caesar Augustus was called? He was called the Prince of Peace. Isn't it amazing that the Prince of Peace was born during the Roman rule? Isn't that interesting? And Jesus, they, they pretty much, they have it narrowed down now. Now, if you'll notice, well, people are going, well, wait a minute, that's not December 25th. Well, deal with that. Things have been changed by religion, so whatever. But, 
But there's a lot of research that shows that Jesus was actually born on the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Isn't that interesting that God came to tabernacle with men? So this would have been the 750th year of Roman reign. They say he was probably born on the 15th day of Tishba, which is September, October. He was born probably on the first day of Tabernacles. His life, why am I saying this? Because his life fulfilled so many things, everything. It's a mathematical impossibility. It's like God is saying, listen, all creation reveals the Trinity. It reveals the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And, and God is reaching out to every man. Every man is without excuse. Well, I'm an atheist. I just don't believe that. Right. I, I, okay. Why do you not believe it? Well, because you chose not to glorify God as God, and you were not thankful, and you were given over to vain imaginations. An atheist, that's a dying breed. There is not one atheist. There's not one atheist one millisecond after they die. There's not one. There's not one. And so here's the deal. The atheist, the agnostic, just the guy who just wants to live for himself. Listen, they're living their life based on a paper kingdom. There is no power. Satan can't even blind their minds until they choose not to believe. But we can come as the church and shine the light of the anointing of God and the presence of God. And I'm telling you, we can help people. Interesting. So, if you look at Jesus now, he, he's, he's born here. So now, we, we forward this, and now he's being baptized. And I love what it says here. And Well, let me just read it. So, verse 30, This is he whom I said, After me comes a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore I am come baptizing with water. Verse 32, And John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit, that means the Holy Spirit, when Jesus was water baptized, now the Holy Spirit of God descended upon him. Descended from heaven, not a dove, but like a dove. Okay? Now if you have a dove on your car, it's totally fine, whatever, right? <laughs> We, we don't minor, we don't major on the little minor things, right? Because like, you know, like that, that little fish thing that people put on their business card, and sometimes you find out it was a, it was a great white shark, and it really kind of bit you, right? <laughs> so you just, just, we don't major on that stuff. But it says here, the spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode on him. It says, and I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water... The same said unto me, upon whom that you shall see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Amen. So, so now here we are. So then Jesus leaves here and he goes and he's tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. It's amazing. 
He was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. Real interesting. Which represents Israel being in the wilderness for 40 years. It all ties together. Why? To show that he is God. That he is the Lord Jesus Christ. That he is the perfect sacrifice for sin. That he has a legal right to redeem mankind and to bring them back to spiritual life. Isn't that good news? So if you go from the wilderness, when he comes down, if you go three and a half years, where do you end up? You end up at Passover, which is when he was crucified. It all fits perfectly. So now I want to take you to a real deep scripture. John chapter 3, verse 16. It's the first scripture I ever learned. Moody Bible Church in Chicago, their Sunday school class, or whatever it was, I don't really remember so much, but I know that was the first scripture. I found my Bible not long ago that my mom gave me, one of those little New Testaments. It's kind of all ripped up, but July of 1966. Isn't that crazy? Back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. It says here, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on him, that means whoever has faith in him, what does it say? Should not perish, but have everlasting zoe. If you just, you got, but you got to believe. You got to believe, the Bible says, that when you reach up, he's reaching down. Right? You got to believe that when you pray anything according to his will, he hears you. And you got to believe that if you know he just hears you, then you know you already have what you've asked him for. That his word is true, that he'll fight every one of your battles, that the victory is yours, that he's your strength, he's your life. For God so loved the world. It can't get any better than that. This is, what was, this is what Jesus was doing. His ministry on the earth was coming to an end. There was one week left, then three days in the grave, and then 40 days after the resurrection, and then he's out of here. But when he said, it is finished, and then when he came out of the grave, he emptied Abraham's bosom, which is in the center of the earth, out of hell or Hades. It had two compartments. The Old Testament saints were there. They was called paradise or Abraham's bosom. He took all of them out and took them to heaven. Now hell, there's only one compartment and it's a place of torment. It's Sheol, it's a place of the dead. That will only be emptied after the tribulation period, the thousand year reign of Christ on this earth. It will be emptied at the great white throne judgment where everyone will be judged that rejected Jesus. They'll be judged for every one of their sins, and then, they, then it's a second death. They're cast into the lake of fire forever, lost forever. And the thing is, guys, we're living at a time. We know the truth. So I found people find people, right? It's, it's, we're made to live 
bigger than just our life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For God so loved you that he gave Jesus. And if you just believe that, he would give you everlasting Zoe life. Isn't that amazing? So let's look at what that looks like for us. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. I just feel prompted in my heart to tell you that what we're going through today, I would encourage you to get a, get a download this, outline it, and whenever... Whenever you want to tell somebody about Jesus, just take them through these scriptures. It'll help you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Or I should say it this way. It'll help you bear all your fruit. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 said, it tells us how Jesus did this. It says, for he, talking about God, hath made him Jesus, has made him Jesus, what? to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus was the sinless sacrifice. Why did he do that? That we might be made. That means come to be the righteousness of God in him. Well, how do you know if you're in him? If you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, and then you made a choice to act on that and confess with your mouth, Jesus, you are now and forever my Lord. What happened is now the Holy Spirit of God comes into your body, takes out the spiritually dead spirit man that you were, and that man is gone forever, right? And then he puts a brand new spirit in you and then the Holy Spirit of God comes and resides in your spirit. He sheds the love of God abroad in your spirit, man. And now you're born again. And, and, and you are the very righteousness. You're not clothed in it. You're the very righteousness of God in Christ. I know I'm in Christ if the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, dwells in me. Well, the Bible says he does. That's how I know I'm born again. And as I become a mature believer by believing his word, by making adjustments in my life, by putting his word first, what happens now, the Holy Spirit will bear witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. He does that all the time. He'll say, listen, you're a child of God. Don't put up with sickness. You're a child of God. Don't put up with poverty. You're a child of God. You take your authority and win this battle because it's already been won for you. You take your authority and see your family get saved, right? It's, it's, it's now, it's just, it's just exactly. See, when the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, here's Moses. All of a sudden, he leads these people out. Man, they eat the Passover lamb. Everybody, anywhere from two to seven million Jews are completely healed and whole. It says they all came out of Egypt completely free of all sickness and disease. And coming out of Egypt is a type of being saved. They came out with great wealth. They all went to their masters and said, hey, could you give me all your jewelry, all your stuff? And they're like, yeah. The Bible says they came out, the rabbinical studies say that they came out with donkeys and wagons laden with all the treasures of Egypt. So they came out wealthy. Isn't that interesting? Healthy. 
glorious, man, it's just kind of like, it's happened to you, right? We have a time of worship, and you know, didn't you almost feel like we were pressing this thin layer about to just open up, just, we're in heaven? Heaven's pressing worship down, we're, I mean, it's amazing. Then you hear a message that's just exploding in your heart, and then what happens, it's, it's just like the children of Israel. You get in your car, and you have a voice message, that from a creditor or from somebody who's mad at you or from your boss or you hear something and, and all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, I just had this glorious moment and now this is what happened to the children of Israel. All of a sudden, here they are, man, they're like, we're free, this is awesome and they come up to the Red Sea and they're kind of all going, um, hey Mo, I don't see any boats. Yeah. Right? And then all of a sudden, you start to hear people way back, because there's like, I think, probably two to three million. If you look at the size of the Red Sea and, and the road that's really underneath the water that was parted, for them to cross in one night, it probably, I don't think it could have been seven million. But, but whatever, that two, three million people, that's crazy. I saw, what was it, a Reinhardt Bonnke crusade in Africa, and, and it's on YouTube, and they have a helicopter going up and scanning the people, there's a million people, and you can't even see the end of them. So all of a sudden, though, you start hearing some stuff, and pretty soon you're like, what? The whole Egyptian army is coming down to kill us? The most powerful army on the planet are coming to kill us. So now here they are. There's the Red Sea. How can we cross this? And here's an army coming to kill us. So Moses, being the bright man that he is, what does he do? See, God gave him a rod. Who is Jesus? He's the rod of Jesse. It's a type of Jesus. It's a type of the name of Jesus. And he goes to God. He's like, hey, in case you haven't noticed, um, water on this end, death. Death on this end. Please help us. And what does God do? It's exactly what he does with you. Why are you talking to me? Use what I've given you. Use the rod, part it. Do you know it doesn't say, lift the rod and I'll part it. God said, part it. That's interesting. In other words, use the name of Jesus and part it. That's what he's saying to you in your life. Forget doubting my word. My word is forever settled. Not only won't I lie, I can't lie. So use my name and change everything in your life to come in line with what I've said I've given you. That interesting. Wow. What does this have to do with what we're talking about? It has everything to do with it. This is how we live. For God so loved the world. Right? So here we are, 2 Corinthians. Let me read verse 17 to you really quick. Hallelujah. I'm so excited I can't find chapter 5. You know, you get these Bibles with more margins, but then you write all over them and you can't, almost can't even read your Bible anymore. It's just crazy. But it says in verse 17, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. That means an original form, a new species, one that's never existed before. So if you're born again, you're a new species. You're not a body. You're literally a person with no past. 
So don't let Satan bring Polaroid pictures of your past, right? For you younger people, just bring your, bring, he brings his demonic smartphone and shows you pictures <laughs> of your past. You know, I could show you a picture of my biological father, but I can't show you my biological father because he's not here. Does that make sense? So don't let these pictures of your past, which will make you feel bad, no, no, believe God so that you see things as they really are. You're a new species. Old, look at what it says here, verse 17. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Do you like the way that's written there? Isn't that awesome? They are become new. At 11.18, they are become new. At 11.19, they are become new. They are constantly new. You're a person with no past. The Bible says when Jesus went to the cross, he not only died for all of your sins, every one of your sins, past, present, and future, were condemned once and for all in his body, and he even died for the shame of your sin. So when Satan comes to you and says, shame on you, you say, no, my shame was put on Jesus. Right? And I was made the righteousness of Almighty God. And oh, by the way, it is written in Isaiah 54, in righteousness, I'll be fixed and immovable. So ha, 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 Satan, you can't move me. I'll be far from oppression. And oh, by the way, you're the oppressor, so get out of my life. Why? Because I will not fear. Why don't I fear? Because he's with me. Right? So this is the life of a believer, and this was all started by what Jesus did. Wow. What's another reason why Jesus came? We can't not go to Galatians chapter 3. So let's jump over to Galatians chapter 3. Oh, I know you guys know some of these scriptures, but man, you got to know them where they're burning in your heart and they're never leaving your mouth. You walk around, you look at your finances, you look at your health, you look at every battle in your life and you say, I have been redeemed from the curse of the law. I've been redeemed from spiritual death. I'm redeemed from poverty and lack. I'm redeemed from sickness and disease. His favor crowns me as with a shield. I'm encircled by the favor of God and it'll change whatever it needs to change to make a way for me. That's the reality of the gospel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ hath, past tense, redeemed me from the curse of the law. How did he do that? Being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Why did he do that? See, he did something. He put something in you so that he could put something on you. He changed you on the inside. So now, so that, verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Because he was made a curse, now I could be saved. Isn't that awesome? Now the blessing of Abraham, as I seek first the kingdom, as I meditate in the word of God, his blessing, it overtakes me. It makes me rich. I have a full and overflowing supply. 
So I got to believe it, though, to, and walk in the light of it. Otherwise, God would have to violate my will to give it to me, to, to have, give it to me in my life, and he won't do that. See, I have to believe it. See, if you'll notice, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt were a type of them getting saved. The children of Israel going through the Red Sea is a type of baptism. But then they came to the Jordan River. If you study this out, the crossing over the Jordan River is a type of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not optional, guys. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Not only is he in you in salvation, it's like a well. But you got to have the rivers. you got to have them upon you. But the children of Israel crossing over into their promised land, see, a whole generation didn't. We've got multitudes of believers today that are thinking their promised land is heaven. But they only think that because they're hearing wrong preaching. The promised land could not possibly be heaven. Because when you and I get to heaven, there will be no walled cities there will be no giants trying to stop us. It's not heaven. I grew up thinking it was heaven. Some people will say, well, is it, you know, is it, it's got to be heaven. No. You know, if you read the book of Judges, you find out that the children of Israel nine times were cast out of their land because of their own disobedience. I'm not, you're not going to be cast out of heaven. This is talking about the blessing of God for you right now. Don't be a Christian that never crosses the Jordan and never walks in the blessing of God. But you can. You can die in the wilderness of doubt. Don't do it. I would say we're not doing it. Yeah. Right? I mean, I'm looking at a bunch of people that are just chomping at the bit. I want all that God wants me to have, right? Because I'm doing this thing right. He did this so that the blessing of Abraham could come on me as a Gentile, that I could receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So now let's go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Hallelujah. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Isn't the word of God good? I hope this is building you up. I hope it's empowering you to partake of your inheritance because God paid a big price to get it to you. Never a down day again, right? No, I'm a world overcomer. Why? Because of me? No, I'm born of God. He's in my life. He's my victory. He's my healing. He's my provision. He is my comfort. He's my peace. I, I don't worry about anything anymore. I humble myself. I cast all my care upon him. And he, he takes care of it. Amen. This is the way it works. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Well, i got to read verse 13 just because it's so good. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children of God, or the children which God hath given me. Verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood... So we're partakers of flesh and blood. We have a body. That's what it's saying here. He, talking about Jesus, also himself likewise took part of the same. He took upon himself flesh and blood. We call him the incarnate 
Son of God, the incarnate Christ. Jesus, the creator of all things, the word of God laid down all of his godly attributes and took upon himself a physical body, a flesh body. Why did he do that? That through death, he might destroy him that has the power of death, that is the devil. Wow. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. See, now I am no longer subject to fear or bondage. Because Jesus, he literally went to the cross and he shed his blood and his blood eradicated. and It wiped away all the sin and he died for me. He took my place. He took care of spiritual death for me. This is salvation. This is what we're talking about. Guys, this is why we are free. Isn't that good news? So now as we're coming down the mountain here, go to 1 John chapter 3. We've got to look at this one. 1 John chapter 3. Oh, the word of God is so good. It's life. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Hallelujah. It says, He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested. That means this is the reason why Jesus was shown forth in the earth. That he might destroy the works of the devil. Isn't that awesome? Destroy. It literally means that he might annihilate. That he might undo the government behind it. Satan's kingdom is a disaster. It has no power. Now, we're no match for him intellectually. But he's no match for us spiritually. Because to get to me, he's got to go through God. And he doesn't want to do that. So he'll throw thoughts like the little punk that he is to try to get me to take thoughts that are contrary to the word. He can't, he can't come in here and get in my face in, the, in my spirit because he's no match for me in there. He can't even contact my spirit. He just tries to ignite things in the world to create, stir up my emotions, to get me to believe something outward instead of believing what God says. All roads with him lead to God's word is not true. Why? Because he's a liar. So this is interesting. This purpose was Jesus manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Thank God, right? So now go back to the Gospel of John. I want to show you something real important. This just kind of jumped up in me. Real quick, John chapter 3. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you for your word. This, John chapter 3 Verse 27 brings out a truth that is so important that you know it. It says here, John answered and said, and here it is, a man can receive nothing. Now this word receive is the same Greek word receive as in Mark 11, verse 24. What things soever you desire, 
When you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. It, the Greek word, it, it, receive would be like this. This is the way we look at it. All right, Rob, can you throw me this bottle? Right. So I'm going to receive the bottle. That's not what this Greek word is. Okay? So this is what this Greek word is. So hold the bottle out to me. So the Greek word means to seize hold of and to take it. Right? So what things soever I desire, when I pray, I believe that I receive them. I take hold of them. I seize hold of it. That's what that Greek word means. So now, see, see it couldn't be like this. It couldn't be, because see, now who's initiating me catching this. Rob, Rob started it, didn't he? And, and he doesn't just throw it at you. No, God says, I've set, what does is, what is the 23rd Psalm say? I set a table before you in the presence of your enemies. But you got to go take it. Is your knee bothering you today? Then take your healing. Do you need money? Take your finances. They've already been given, but you got to cease hold. So now it says, look at this. People See, people get mad at this. Religious people get really mad. Oh, you're one of those faith preachers. Oh, thank you. That is such a compliment. Because anything that's not a faith is sin. So I don't want to be one of those sin preachers. Right? They'll make fun of, oh, you're one of those blab it, grab it, confess it, and possess it guys. Yes. I hope, I hope that our ministry grows to where I'm on one of those websites. You know, man, I mean, you'd be in good company in one of those websites, wouldn't you? But look at this. A man can receive nothing except it be given to him by heaven. Well, you just think you could command God. No, no, no. No, I can't receive anything unless God has already given it to me. We have an example in the Bible of somebody trying to possess something that God didn't give them. Satan, he probably, he doesn't like it when we talk about this, but you know, he said, what did he say? He's trying to be like God. I'm going to ascend above the throne of God. I'm going to be like the most high. But it says, then God said. Good feeling gone, right? <laughs> you can't possess what you haven't been given. God told the children of Israel, if you read the stories back there, he's like, okay, this land, you go, that's yours, I've already given it to you, you go there and, and, and we're going to take that land because I've already given it to you. But this land over here, don't mess with those people, it's not your land. He was trying, why is that written? So that we know as believers, listen, I am not trying to take and receive what God hasn't already said he's given me. My faith will, I use faith. How does faith come? It comes when I hear God's word. He says, Tony, by my stripes you were healed. Tony, you were redeemed from the curse of poverty and lack, and now I will meet all your needs. When I hear that, faith is birthed, and now I could take possession of what I already own. As you're sitting here today, God will never have to give you anything. He already did. And it's all yours, and now 
the Holy Spirit, he's, it's, he's on the inside of you. He'll lead you so that you can take it. You must possess through faith what he's given you by his grace. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. But it's been given to us because we're his child. This is the gospel. So this is a big one, right? So now this is why it's written. Go to Ephesians chapter 5 real quick. Ephesians 5, 17. This is why, this is why Paul, when he's writing to the church, he was, he was inspired to say this. Ephesians 5, 17. I feel like I could probably preach all day long, but I'll give Pastor Dave a break. Wow. Ephesians 5, 17. It's like there's this, well, it's just wonderful. It says here in Ephesians 5, 17, wherefore be ye not unwise. Don't be unwise. Well, what does it mean to be unwise? Someone who does not understand what the will of God is. God is saying, don't be unwise. I want you to understand. That means to comprehend the will of God. God wants you to know what his will is. So don't be unwise. Don't go by what you feel. Don't go by what you hear. You go by what the word of God says. Now go back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Look at, what, look at, look at this. This is kind of good, right? Ephesians 1, 3 tells you, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with how many? All spiritual blessings. So I already have been blessed with all spiritual blessings. You can't bless me with any more spiritual blessings. I have all of them. Wow. But where are they at? In heavenly places in Christ. See, you have to believe this and walk in it to walk in it here. So let's look at another one. 2 Peter chapter 1. You guys know this one too. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. 2 Peter 1 3. It says, According as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life, you have been given all things that pertain to the Zoe life of God. All of them. You have been given everything you need to live the quality of life that God lives on the earth right now. Wow. And godliness. As if that's not enough. How does it come though? Through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. See, the Holy Spirit, he etches the word of God on your heart. He makes it alive to you so that you gain knowledge of God. John 17, 3, that is eternal life, knowing God the Father, God the Son. And in reality, the revealer is the Holy Spirit, so it's knowing all of them. So now, let's look at a couple benefits. We're coming down to the end. Hang with me here just a minute. Go to Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verse 1, look at this. Now, verse 1 through verse 5 would be the equivalent of a present participle. So what this means is, this is what God has done, what he is now presently doing, and what he will always do. It's just kind of an all-encompassing thing. 
David said this, breathed by the Holy Spirit of God, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. It says here, what are some of the benefits? Who forgiveth some of your iniquities. No, it forgives all of your iniquities. Wow. Who healeth. Now, this is the word Rapha. 67 times in the Old Testament, every time it talks about physical healing. Who healeth how many of your diseases? All of your diseases. Wow. Who redeems thy life from destruction. Redeems. That word means he takes you from one place in one condition out of destruction and he places you in another place and in another condition. Life. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. And now here's a big one. How does he do that? Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. God will give you the words, his words to speak. And that will renew It'll renew your life like the eagle. The golden eagle, you've heard me say this before, because this is the eagle David would have talked about. The golden eagle, they have multiple lenses or like uh, eyelids. So they, they're, they're like the only animal that could look directly into the sun and it doesn't damage their eyes. When they get sick or weak, they will fly up into an inaccessible cliff and they will lay on their back They have a wingspan of about six feet and they will lay on their back, just lay there and look at the sun until they're renewed. The Bible says that we, where where is our inaccessible place? The secret place of the Most High. It's actually a place of worship. You can go anytime you want. You can look fixing your eyes on Jesus. You could look right into the sun. And what will happen is he, his very spirit who's on the inside of you, will start to give you a word to speak so that you're... And see, as you speak the life of God, the word of God, it renews your strength like the eagle's. An eagle never runs. A golden eagle never runs from a, from a storm. When he sees a storm coming, he sees all the animals running all over the place, and he just sits there. And when the storm hits him, he has this thing in his arms, in his, in his, in his whatever you call it, wings, where he could lock his wings in a position like this. And he will mount up. You know how it says to mount up with wings as eagles? He will mount up. He'll jump off the cliff and then you'll see it, he'll, the, 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 the air pressure and wind, he knows right when to do it, and it, he'll start going in a circle, start going up higher, and he'll bust out the top of the storm. Humble yourself 
under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you in due time. Oh, a mountain could look really big from the ground, but you get up 30,000 feet and it doesn't look that big anymore, right? Well, this is what God does. He gives you his word. Remember, he can't do it for you. That eagle had to jump, but he didn't have any fear. It's a picture. The whole, the whole I mean, the whole universe screams God. Right? Why am I saying all this? Your mouth is to be a well of life. You speak the word of God and change things. Why? Do you change them? You speak the word and God will watch over his word to perform it. He'll show himself strong on your behalf. All things are possible. Don't sit here today and think, well, I've messed up my life. There's no future for me. No, 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 no. You have a great future in God. Amen.